as we all know, not everyone's looking to buy right now. It's like, okay, then we need to stay top of mind until they are ready to buy. But how do I stay top of mind without spamming or pitching my product or only talking about my product? And in a way that's going to stick with them, in a way that's going to be memorable, they'll enjoy it. Hello and welcome to Confessions of a B2B Marketer. My name is Tom, your host, and today we have possibly the coolest person in the world of B2B content, Abade Durrani, currently at Hockey Stack. And today we go deep into what's called the Easy Mode Framework that Abade and Todd Clouser have created recently. What that means for you if you are trying to create any kind of content for a B2B brand, if your goal is to drive revenue. And we also kind of Combine that in with the recent media or Netflix for B2B that Hockey Stack have just launched. So, before we get into that, one strategy for creating content, B2B content for your B2B business, is of course starting a podcast. It can be tricky. What we've done over the past three to four years is start literally hundreds of B2B podcasts. Yes, I'm talking about fame.so. They are the producer of this show, but also the company that I have had a part in building. We start and grow podcasts for B2B brands. We basically do everything, find the guests, produce the assets, and promote the show. We actually take responsibility for growing the show, which I think no one else does. So shout out to Fame for producing this, and let's jump into the episode with Abade. Abade, welcome to the show. Thank you, man. I appreciate you having me. Thank you for the invite. It's awesome to meet you and talk to you. So do you know what I think about these new B2B content creators that I follow? and there are three of them. I think you know them all. There's Todd, there's Travis. And so for me, Todd is like the funny one. Travis is like the fun one. And you're like the cool one. Oh, wow. Nice, man. Thank you. That's awesome. I'm flattered. That's super dope. Because I've seen like your rap videos and stuff. Nice. Thank you, man. appreciate that. That's really awesome. Yeah, I think Todd would love to be the funny one and Travis the fun one too. For sure. Actually, I had them both on the show now, so now I have the set. Nice. Anyway, so that's what I want to really dig into in this discussion is like your ethos and strategy and tactics actually for building B2B content that I like actually works. Absolutely. To do this, I think we need to go back to the time before you were in marketing because you used to be maybe not a salesperson, but like within an inbound sales function, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I see this, I actually see this quite a lot. Like marketers that do well often have some experience in sales. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's very true. Yeah, totally. And so specifically, were there things that like you learn about the inbound sales process? Maybe you saw leads come in from like without marketing or with like poor marketing that like help you now? Yeah. So just real quick, in my first job, I worked at this content writing company. That was my first job altogether. But that's also where I got introduced to blog posts product descriptions, SEO, things like that. I had no idea what these things were before that. And so I was a sales guy and I would sell those things like blog posts. I'd sell. So someone would come in like, hey, I need 10 blog posts for my website. I'd be like, oh, okay. And I'd, I'd try to sell them those things. Now, there's a lot of stuff that I learned. And this was very, we have big ACVs in SaaS. These were like $10 blog posts, right? So I was selling like these $10, $15 blogs. But even then, after like four or five months, I got to a point where I was making like 70,000 
I was just closing 70K in new sales every month, 70 to 80, 90K in new sales every month. And so I remember just going through this process. And at first, I was very like by the playbook. They had this playbook. I would go through like all of the pre-written replies to like all the objections they would get and I'd just use it. But then after I started to learn it and ease up, then I started to sort of make my own way. And that's one thing that was always stuck with me is that you should always go by the playbook that the company runs first. Like no matter how good you are, how much you think you know, every company is different, everything is different. So you should always learn that playbook first. Like first, at least master that, get that down. And then you can start making your audibles and all that stuff to it and sort of calling your own shots, so to speak. But you should always learn the way that it goes there first. So I did that for like two years. And then I remember at one point I had made like 600K in sales in the past six months. So I remember thinking to myself, if I'm making this much in sales for someone else, and I should just start my own company doing this. And I couldn't have been more wrong. Like there's so much more that goes on behind the scenes than just one person doing sales. So that's what led me to start my own agency from there. That's why I started my own content marketing agency. Makes total sense. So would you say you're following the hockey stack playbook now or you've moved on to like run your own thing? Well, the interesting thing about Hockey Stack was that there really wasn't a playbook. There was Amir. And Amir had a very unique and awesome vision. And I was over there doing my own thing. Around this time is when I was creating the music video for Lavender. I don't know if you've seen that, but I have, and we're going to link below because it's a banger. Nice. Yeah. So around this time is when I was creating the music video for Lavender. And when Amir got in touch with me, he told me, you know, he's like, hey, I want, we need someone to lead the marketing team, all this. I want it to be you, da, 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 da. And so I remember just telling him like, hey, if I'm going to do this, I want to do it this way. And these are all the things I want to do. And he's like, you got it. And I was like, and I want to build out the marketing team this way. These are the types of people I want to have over the next few years and this and that. And he's like, all right, you got it. And so I was like, all right, let me try to push this a little bit. And then so I was like, all right, I want to build a streaming platform and I want to channel like all of our content through these series. And then he was just like, why do you think I came to you? And he was like, check this out. He's like, go to hockeystack.com slash the flow. And then I was, I went to it and he was already building out a streaming platform and it was already in like its infancy stage. And so I was like, holy crap, like you're already doing it. So Though there wasn't already a playbook, there was a vision and it was pretty much identical to the way that I wanted to do marketing. So that's why I think we were able to just mesh really well. And we've been killing it since then, I think, Amir and I. I would agree. Now we're going to get to the flow later in the interview. First, I want to talk about what I believe is called the easy mode framework. Yeah, totally. And so here's something that I believe you also have been developing with Todd, Todd Clouser. Yeah, totally. Yeah. The, the framework is super loaded. So I could give you like just an overview of it. We can dive into whichever parts you want, but just to give you a little bit of background. So as you mentioned, Todd Clouser, the funny one, him and I are pretty good friends. And we met about two years ago when we were both working at Refine Labs. So we were both working at Refine Labs. That's where we met. 
started collaborating on like TikTok skits and things like that for LinkedIn together. And so I think last October, so October 2022, we're doing this Cheat Codes podcast. So him and I talk quite frequently. At that point, we were recording like two episodes per week or something. So we were talking and I told him, I brought up this concept that I came up with a few years ago when I ran the agency, this concept of idea-driven content, right? Like, let's define what it means to make good content and then bucket them into different categories and define those categories. So instead of just, and you know, I can get go into all this, but, you know, instead of just like going on a hunch, like, oh, I think this is going to be good. It's like, let's put together like an actual process for it. So we know whether the content that we're creating is going to be good or not. So I told him about this concept of idea-driven content. He was like, that's awesome. Here's this concept that I came up with called, and he didn't have a name for it at that time. We ended up calling it the content journey. But he was talking about top-down, middle-out, bottom-up content to where, and just real quick, he was like, your top-down content is meant to reach the people at your target orgs that are going to drive company-wide change. Your middle-out content is meant to reach the people at your target orgs that are going to tactically implement that change. And then your bottom-up content is meant to reach the people at those orgs that are going to drive awareness and admiration from the inside. And that's when we ended up making the framework. That's how we refined it and explained it. But he gave me like essentially the bare bones of that. And so I was like, okay, that's awesome. And so we went on for weeks arguing about whether or not we were talking about the same concept and all this and all that. But once we figured that out, we were like, okay, so we have this first part, this idea-driven content part, which is kind of like the mindset you need to get into. So we ended up calling it the mindset part of the framework. And then we have your part, which is this top-down, middle-out, bottom-up part, which helps us establish the purposes behind our content. So we ended up calling it the purpose part of the framework. So we were like, we have mindset, we have purpose. Why don't we just keep this going? And is there a way that we can tie together all of the things that you and I talk about? For example, I talked about substance and delivery, memorable experiences. He would talk about the creator economy and creator managers and things like that. So on one hand, there was those things. And on the other hand, just as an industry, there are these things we build a media company, stand out from the crowd, differentiate, make good content. So we were like, okay, is there a way we can tie together all these concepts in a way that someone could follow as a process that helps them accomplish all those goals? Be a media company, this, that, da, 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 da. So that's how the easy mode framework came to be. So we had mindset, purpose, we're like, okay, strategy, ideation creation, distribution, performance, and iteration. And all of those parts are essentially like this smorgasbord of all the different concepts that we talk about, but laid out in a process that's easy to follow or understand and follow. Yeah, I hope I did a good job of explaining that. Yeah, like frameworks inside of frameworks. Right, right, essentially. And it's all done in like just this very easy to follow way. We implemented it at Cognizant and I just spoke to Fran yesterday. And this is, I would say we're about February, I guess it ended. So we're about five months removed from having implemented that framework at Cognizant. And yeah, she was telling me like super helpful, 
the marketing team, just driving alignment between everyone, just the content engine that they've created. And so, yeah, I think it's awesome because, you know, it was all theory. It was all Tautonized theories and stuff. And then we kind of implemented it at Cognizant. He's implementing it at Lavender. I'm implementing it at Hockey Stack. It's been working three times out of three. So it's pretty cool to see. So three great case studies if you ever wanted to get back into the agency game. Yeah. Anyway, could we choose? It seems to me like the ideation phase could be crucial. They're all crucial, right? But can you share just a little bit more about that part of the framework? The ideation part, it was this thing that I've always used called a four-step thought process. So just to backtrack real quick, before we get to ideation, there's one important thing that a concept we came up with that's in part three, the strategy part, and it's called the five prerequisites of ideation. And essentially, like these are the five things that you have to have a deep understanding of before you can even try to start to ideate or think of ideas for content. And the reason that we feel that this is important is because a lot of times when, you know, I've spoken to marketers that are stuck on the idea phase, it's usually because they need to like deepen their understanding in one of these five areas. And that's your product, your narrative, your audience, your business objectives, and different content formats. And so the way that works is like, okay, do you have a deep understanding of your product? Like what it is, what it does, how it helps, who it's for, who it's not for. Do you know how to use it? Could you show someone how to use it? So like having this really deep understanding of your product, that's one of the main areas that you need to have covered. And it's like, if you find yourself stuck on ideation, ask yourself, like, do I have a really deep understanding of my product? If not, like you need to sort that out. And then the second thing is your narrative your company's strategic narrative. Do you have a deep understanding of that? What is it? How do you adapt to it? How do you adopt it? Right? All of those things. Then it's like, from there, it's your audience. Do you have a deep understanding of your audience? Your audience's interest, all of those things, right? Like their challenges, their obstacles, their day-to-day, all of that stuff. Do you understand that? You can also break your audience up into paying customers, into prospects, to ICP, like all of that stuff and learn about all of these different types of people. Without getting too much into it, earlier we talked about top-down, middle-out, bottom-up. We were like, hey, top-down, this is the content that's meant to reach the people that are going to drive company-wide change. Well, it's like, okay, well, who are those people? You make a list of those people, middle-out, oh, it's content meant to reach these people that are going to tactically implement that change. It's like, okay, who are these people? And it's like, when we do that, we come up with, this list of specific job titles, this list of specific people. And what I like to say and do, suggest and do, is go and connect with those types of people on LinkedIn, set up 15-minute calls with them, learn about their day-to-day, their challenges. And then it's like, okay, if you have multiple use cases or verticals that you're going after, you can create that list for each use case, create that list for each vertical. So now what we're doing is we're starting to like actually define our audience as opposed to using some tool to build a buyer persona. And then now you have CEO Susie and you're summing up thousands and thousands of people to like this one made up personality, right? So like that going about it through the top down middle out way and segmenting your audience that way, that's better. So coming back to the five prerequisites, it's like, do you have a deep understanding of your audience? And if not, it's like, 
that's why you're stuck. And then the fourth thing is your company's objectives. Because as we'll see when we move to the ideation phase, I'd like to, when you're creating content, I always like to start with an objective rather than starting with the topic or the content format. Is it going to be a podcast? Is it going to be a blog post? Like, what is it going to be? I always want to start with the objective first. Like, what's the goal here? What's the purpose here? What are we trying to accomplish first? And then the last thing is different content formats. And I think this is huge because it's like many marketing teams, it's like blog posts, ebooks, newsletters, right? And it's like, if that's all you know how to create, then that's all you're going to be creating. So it's like, do you have an understanding of different content formats? And so these are the five prerequisites of ideation. And I like to think of these five things because there's so many things that we can think of when we're at, we can think of what competitors are doing. We can think of trends. We can think of tools, like keyword research tools. Like, oh, I found this keyword. It has a pretty decent difficulty score. It has decent traffic. Let's create content around this keyword. There's all of that like declutters your thoughts. So you remove all of that. And then you think of these five puzzle pieces only, my product, my narrative, my audience, my business objectives and different content formats. Now I'm ready to ideate. So then we move to the ideation phase, which is very simplified. It's like, let's remove all these concepts. Let's remove all of this stuff. And let's just very simple four-step thought process, right? Step one, grab a marketing objective or a business goal, right? Like grab your goal. Step two, determine the content formats you could create to move closer to that goal, right? So for example, if my goal is relevant broad reach, And step two is, okay, what are the content formats I could create to accomplish that goal? Because to accomplish the goal of relevant broad reach, there's certain content formats that are going to be better suited for that than other formats. A commercial that I create and then I use a service like Mountain to distribute on Hulu is going to be more suited to accomplish that goal than a webinar or a gated ebook or something. So Number one, grab a marketing objective or a business goal. Number two, determine the content formats you could create to move closer to that goal. Number three, get a really good understanding of the message I want to deliver and the action I want my viewers, listeners, readers to take. Right. And then the fourth step is think of the absolute best way I can execute this in the sense that how do I make it about my audience and not about my product? Or how do I construct this in a manner that's both insightful and it's enjoyable? Essentially, it's like, how do I turn this brand asset, like this content that's clearly a product of a brand, of a software company, how do I take this brand asset and then turn it into a memorable experience for whoever's reading it, listening to it, or watching it? And I just go through this four-step thought process every time I need to create content. And I think ideation really just comes down to that once you have all of the correct like puzzle pieces in place. Yeah, you're totally right. It seems like having the strategy points, those five points lined up, means that the ideation should almost flow out of you. I wanted to go in, there's like a concept or like a challenge that every B2B content marketer will have is creating the content that pushes the revenue goals forward, but also gets attention. And you were almost talking about uh, then I think this piece of branded content that's also going to entertain. Is that part of the framework that tells us how we can create this content that's going to get 
awareness and attention, but also can not pitch, but also further the financial goals of the company? Well, I think it comes down to multiple things working together that create collective impact over time. And so we just need to establish these different lanes, like these parallel lanes that we'll be running. We need to establish them. So for example, if we go back to the top-down, middle-out, bottom-up stuff, top-down strategic narrative, we have at Hockey Stack, we have this narrative of attribution 2.0. And so it's like, okay, I need to create one stream or one part of the content engine needs to be dedicated to educating the right people on this narrative. And so this is one of my goals. I'm going to do this. And the reason that I need to do that is because aside from knowing my product exists or how to use my product, people also need to know why or the right people also need to know why this change is needed in the first place or this outcome is needed in the first place. Or it's like, why should I care? Or why should I not just continue doing it the way that I've been doing it? We all know about building a story around the old game versus the new game. Not to discredit it because that's a huge part of the narrative. That's what it is. So it's like, you know, one part of your content engine needs to fulfill this goal or get this type of content out there in different ways. So it's like, okay, one area focuses that. Then it's like, this is great and all, but let's say that a company is bought in on attribution 2.0 or in a way that we can all understand. Let's say that my narrative is switching from lead gen to demand gen. And there's a target company and their C-suite is totally bought in on this transition. Well, number one, that narrative content alone is not going to be enough for them to understand or learn how to make that transition. The narrative content told them and showed them why they should do it and what's happening and the benefits of the change, but it's not showing them how to actually implement that change or go through that transition in that company. And number two, they're not the ones that are going to be implementing that change. They just call the shots. They can say like, hey, I want this done. This is what we're going to do now. Or here's our Q3 roadmap. That's it. So one layer below them, directors, senior directors, VPs, whatever the case may be, these are the people that are going to actually be tactically implementing the processes that are going to switch this entire company from a lead gen to a demand gen model. So they need content. So they need content that shows them how to actually do all of this stuff. So now one of my areas, the other second area of focus will be to create this kind of content that accomplishes this goal through different content formats or content series, what have you. And then finally, the top-down person calls the shots the middle out person implements the change, but they may or may not be the ones actually using the product at the end of the day. We still have end users. So we need to focus on them as well. There's a decision maker, there's the buyer, but there's also the end user. And they may or may not be the decision maker or the buyer at the end of the day. So the reason that end users are important, it's like, okay, now let's say that I'm the same company I'm a VP and I go to my team and I'm like, hey, we're about to use this tool to help us transition from lead gen to demand gen. Has anyone heard of this tool? And then like four people are like, oh yeah, I love them. I love their brand. They have awesome content, this and that. This now starts to make 
conversations easier because we're familiar with this brand. There's admiration there. So your last area of focus when it comes to content creation, the purposes behind your content is end users that are going to be driving awareness and admiration from the inside. And this is where things like your entertaining content come into play, your conceptual content, your top-down content. That's where things like your strategic narrative, unique point of views, your podcast, all that stuff come into play. Your middle-out content, this is where things like your academy or your learning hub or that type of your case studies and tactical playbooks, this is where all that stuff comes into play. And then your bottom-up content. This is where those funny TikTok skits, the music videos, the commercials, all that stuff comes into play. And obviously, you don't want to limit it to those content formats. Those are just examples. But when you break down your content strategy to fulfill these purposes, and you're doing this, you're creating content like this, over time, you start to see that like, okay, this is all making an impact. Like we're educating them, we're converting them, we're nurturing them, we're doing all this stuff, but in a way that doesn't feel like that. What you see from Hockey Stack content, our series, our LinkedIn content, the worst marketer in the world, this is all we do. So there's not a department that you don't see and they're just sending out cold emails all day long or a bunch of PPC ads that we're running on regional landing pages that you don't see. What you see, that's all we're doing. Thankfully, I don't want to jinx it or anything, but it's impacting pipeline big time. All, all of our revenue growth, it's all driven from our content efforts, our marketing efforts. So it's not on the surface, it may just seem like, oh, it's a streaming platform series. They're making fun stuff. They're making this, they're making that. It's all very purpose-driven and it all serves individual purposes that help us accomplish bigger company goals. The reason I know you love this stuff so much is I'll ask you a question and then you have to go back to this other part to like, <laughs> oh, in order to answer yeah. that, I have to answer this. So yeah. it makes a lot of sense. I want to make this, obviously, we'll talk about the flow because it's launched very recently. So anybody listening, go to hockeysack.com forward slash the flow. And so I want to try and make this a bit more tangible for the audience. Now, what we're talking about essentially is like a Netflix style streaming platform on like hosted on the domain. I've got a couple of tactical questions that I'd love for you to give an overview and then maybe we can dig into the future of the flow. Now, we have like seven or so different series and they're all hosted on that page on the site, right? But I assume the distribution strategy maybe for every series is also to take either the full video content or whatever content and put that into social as well. And then ideally people will come back to the flow. Okay. Because absolutely, that's how we get the distribution. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just a real quick thing there is you hear it a lot. Like people will say like, oh, we have to create content for TikTok or we have to create content for LinkedIn. And it's a very subtle thing, but we're already framing it the wrong way because we're not creating content for these platforms. We're creating content to fulfill specific purposes. And we're just using these platforms because these platforms just so happen to be where our audience is spending time on to distribute that content. When you say, oh, we have to create content for LinkedIn, then you start to fall into the trap of like, okay, well, what works on LinkedIn? Oh, PDF carousels and selfies and memes. And it's like, okay, well, let's do that because that's what works on LinkedIn and we need to create content for LinkedIn. What we're doing is, and I think this is a good way to sum up everything that I've said here, but Really, in a nutshell, I have two goals. 
Those two goals are one, I need to educate my market. And two, I need to entertain my audience. One, I need to educate my market and I need to do it on two areas, my product and my narrative. I need to educate them on my product because they need to know what it is, how it works, how it helps, the outcomes it can help them achieve, all that stuff. And I need to educate them on my narrative because they need to know why they need those changes and outcomes in the first place. So my first goal as a B2B marketer at a SaaS company is to educate my market and I need to educate them on my product and my narrative. And then my second goal is to entertain my audience. And the reason I need to do that is because as we all know, not everyone's looking to buy right now. It's like, okay, then we need to stay top of mind until they are ready to buy. But how do I stay top of mind without spamming or pitching my product or only talking about my product? And in a way that's going to stick with them in a way that's going to be memorable, they'll enjoy it. And so there I think of product association and creative concepts. The trap that companies have fallen to in the past is like, okay, we want to create this content to stay top of mind, but we can't make it about our product. And so what happens is they create this quote unquote entertaining content, but, and you know, on the surface, it gets generates buzz. It grows their following across social, but it never impacts revenue eventually because they didn't associate their product with any outcomes through that content, right? So when people were ready to buy, when they did move into market, they didn't think of that company because they have no idea what that company does. So it defeats the purpose of creating that content in the first place. So the solution to that is to consider product association. It's like, okay, I need to tie my product to a specific outcome without being spammy, without making the content about my product. How do I do that? Through building that content on a concept. And so that's why all of our series are mostly conceptual because you'll enjoy it. It's entertaining. It's that, but it's also associating our product with a specific outcome. Wow. You know what the best thing about all of this is? The write-up that you did to build the flow is completely free. Blog post will link to below. You actually have a LinkedIn system that I found earlier that I didn't know you created. Massive posts, completely free. Obviously, the flow is completely free. And then also this whole content framework is free on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Absolutely incredible. So I need to, I've got some notes here, but I'm going to go back through the content framework because I think it nice. could be like the leading B2B content framework that exists in the world. Like it's probably what I reckon. Yes. Nice. Appreciate that, man. That's really awesome. Thank you. It's my pleasure entirely. So Abed, we're obviously going to link to your LinkedIn profile. We'll link to all the stuff I just mentioned. Anything else we need to give a shout out to? Obviously, Hockey Sack. Love Hockey Sack. I mean, it's been on the show. I love the brand. Anything else? Yeah, I guess I just connect with me on LinkedIn. If there's anything at all that you want to discuss or you want to talk more about any of these topics that you're interested in, feel free to drop me a message and I'll get back to you. We can chat about it. And in terms of just the future, just follow along to the flow. I think that's the best tangible example of all these things that I talk about and all of these concepts that I throw around. That's the best example of me putting all of this information to use myself for my company. So yeah, if you really just want, if you're interested in 
what is the product of, I guess you could say, this approach to B2B marketing. I want to see it. Best thing to do would be to follow the flow. And yeah, thank you, man. I appreciate the platform and you giving me a chance to talk about all this stuff. Thank you for your time, Abed. Totally, dude. I'll talk to you soon. All right. I hope you enjoyed that, Abed. Clearly love this stuff can talk about that literally all day i would highly recommend going check out the cheat codes podcast by obeyed and todd which will go into more detail i'm definitely going to be re-listening to that to sharpen my b2b marketing content skills so let's give a shout out to jmmcg87 that's the apple podcast username huge insights and must listen for every marketer in the business thank you so much for that jmm if you have any feedback about the show, please go to Apple Podcast. Leave a rating and review. It takes about two minutes. Send me a screenshot, ping it to me in DM on LinkedIn, and then I'll get you and your business a shout out on the show. Of course, thank you so much to Fame for producing and promoting, doing everything for this podcast. Fame.so, link is below in the show notes. Thank you to Abade for sharing his content marketing wisdom, and thanks to you for listening.